Hey listeners, this is the Spotlight on Grace podcast, where we're focusing on what's happening at Grace Church and how God's grace is making a difference in our lives. I'm your host, Burr Bolton. Pastor Tanya's here too. Howdy. And we have another testimony. We do. And this this person is super special to a lot of people. Yes. And has a lot of wisdom. He does. All the time that I, every time I talk to him, I don't walk away feeling like, you know, I've learned something. (laughs) I never walk away not having had half of the conversation be scripture. Which is true. Which is where his wisdom comes from. Right, right. And it's, so everybody probably knows we're talking about now. All right. So here with us today is Mr. Doc Hickenbotham. How are you, Doc? Just fine, thank you. We're glad that you're here with us and took time uh, out of your good, day. It's good to be here. Thank and you. he has that deep, 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 deep I know, voice. we have all these good radio voices <laughs> in the church. I know, I love it. Um, well, we're glad that you're here. Tell us, Doc, how long have you been at Grace Church? Uh, since 1978. So you do the math, but it's been a, a few years, yes. Yeah, a few. Of course, uh, a Nazarene long, long before that, probably since 1950, about. And uh, I think I joined the church in 51. So, uh, yes. Of course, you could join in those days at six months of age. You know, it's all right. <laughs> well, Ava's doing that class right now on um, um, what it means to be a Nazarene. Yes. And so then she's like, am I going to be able to join after this? And I'm <laughs> like, well, it doesn't get you anything at your age. But, yes, you can. <laughs> The character character of the church has changed a lot since those sure, days. Sure, I'm sure that it has. Our first Sunday morning in a church of the Nazarene, we'd been invited by my mother's uh, sisters, and we didn't go to church much at all. And I was about 12. And uh, uh, when they had prayer, everybody knelt, and uh, everybody prayed. They called on somebody to pray. I don't know why, because you couldn't hear that person. <laughs> and I thought, dear Lord, this is a roar. How do they know when to quit? Oh. You know. And finally, it settled down, and they quit. Was that was our first experience? Wow. So different from uh, where we had ever gone to church mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And of course, our church is probably a little more formal now than than it used to be. And but good folks, good spiritual folks, and of course, we uh, got saved. And praise the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how old were you, Doc, when you first knew, came to know and love the Lord? I got saved when I was 13 and baptized uh, that same year in a creek, non-conner creek in Memphis, uh, Tennessee, where uh, home for me, Memphis. And uh, I finally married a Pennsylvania girl, so that was quite a combination. <laughs> but uh, I grew up in Memphis and uh, went to uh, grade school, high school there. Had a good time. Uh, I managed to stay out of trouble uh, because of the Lord's help. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. Uh, he can help us do that. So many teenagers stray away. So I never did drink or smoke. Now, my poor brother, a little younger than I, he did all those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> he's gone on to glory now. He finally got straightened out, but it hurt him so much physically. So uh, if you don't do those things it helps you so much physically and not to speak of spiritually so high school was fun i stayed out of trouble with the lord's help sang in some groups there got southern gospel uh, one of them uh, became rather rather famous uh, elvis tried out for us and uh, he was a nice you would enjoy knowing elvis he's a very nice person you would really like him he didn't drink or smoke in those days 
and uh, just a very, very nice person. Jim Hamill, who sang with us, and he sang with the Kingsmen for years and years. He's supposed to have told Elvis he couldn't sing. Now, that story has existed for years and years and years, that we're the group who told Elvis he couldn't sing. Oh, no. I never told Elvis that. (laughs) You didn't say that. You wouldn't say that. No, no, no. I did not. And, of course, uh, whoever said that, he uh, was wrong, of course. Elvis became a great singer, great entertainer, but a very nice person. Indeed, he was. Well, I love that you said that with the Lord's help, you stayed out of trouble. Because oh, I, yes. I think sometimes people think, well, I didn't get involved in things, so I don't have that great of a testimony. Mm. And that's not true because it's God's grace that saves people from those things and keeps those Amen. people from those things. Yeah. So, well, just because I stayed out of trouble with the Lord's help doesn't mean I didn't want to get into trouble. Sure, exactly. Like any other normal uh, teenage uh, boy. Uh, there are plenty of things I wanted to get into, and, but I didn't. You know, I, yeah. I put the Lord first, and that helps so much to do that. Yep. So uh, we had a traditional church. Uh, we sang. Uh, we didn't use the hymn books. We sang out of the old paperback um, songs of inspiration. We sang "I'll Fly Away" and "Just a Little Talk with Jesus." Mm-hmm. So when I got to Treveca uh, as an eighteen-year-old. And we sang, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessed, mm-hmm. and Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. I was blown away. Yeah. I never heard that. I loved it. Still do to this mm-hmm. day. I wish we did a little more of that now than we do in church, the old hymns. But uh, Trevecca was a, a marvelous experience for me. I would do it again. And uh, just a marvelous time. It really was. So thank the Lord for the opportunity to, and to help you get through those things because uh, financing was not good. There were no federal loans when I started there. And uh, I worked uh, at the old St. Thomas Hospital for a dollar an hour. Wow. And uh, for about one year and worked on campus for like 50 cents an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But uh, God is good, and uh, he can see you through Whatever it takes, right. you know, if he puts you somewhere, uh, just stay faithful to him and he'll, he'll see you through it. He will. He has done so many good things for me in my life. Um, when uh, I'd gone to college and worked for the Defense Department for about eight years and I wanted to go on to school and uh, I was working uh, – I had been transferred from uh, Belleville, Illinois, to uh, Martin, Tennessee. Of course, I was in Tennessee in anyway. And uh, so I was inspecting military material there. And uh, the boss at that company, I didn't work for him, I worked for the government, was a man named David Wexler, a good Jewish man from New York. I mean, he was typical. He hadn't lost a bit of his New York accent. And so he had a son, his only child, one year older than I, who was an M.D., and he wanted me to go to school. So, um, so God, you know, he's got your life mapped out, you know. Uh, Psalm 139 says uh, he's got your days all numbered before you ever had one mm-hmm. of them. <laughs> 
And so uh, he helped me go through school. I could have never done it. Um, and at first, uh, the company didn't have any money in the uh, scholarship fund. And so I went off to Memphis to school. We continued to live in Martin. And Carol worked at a old downtown Methodist church for uh, $5,000 a year, I believe it was, you know, as church secretary. And I, I was, uh, I had, in the meantime, I had quit the government, started working for uh, my Jewish father figure there. He became that. And so he, uh, he helped me go to school. But I went off to school with like $500. That didn't last long at all. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so uh, things were getting very, very tight. And all of a sudden, the company's scholarship fund had some money. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't you know? <laughs> God does that. So uh, we were going to church in Fulton, Kentucky, which was near Martin, Tennessee, uh, Church of the Nazarene there. And there was a sweet lady there, elderly. In those days, we, we called them sister so-and-so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. I kind of wish we did. <laughs> bring so, it back, Doc. Just bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> she was uh, Helen Willie. Uh, we called her Sister Willie, and she, uh, her husband had died years back, and she married his brother, lived with him several years, and he died. Wow. So she had outlived two brothers, and she, uh, she called herself, she said, I'm your mother in Israel. You probably never heard that expression. Very, very devout lady. So uh, I went off to school, but I continued to live in Martin. So I came home on a weekend or summer, whatever it was. Sister Willie was in the hospital in Fulton, Kentucky, which was nearby. And on a Wednesday night, I was going up to prayer meeting, and I stopped in the hospital to see Sister Willie. And you'll have to pardon me if I don't do too well telling about Sister Willie. I said, Sister Willie, I've got some good news the company's scholarship fund has some money in it. They're going to help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she looked at me, and she said, you don't have to tell me. I already know it. Oh, wow. So that's what we used to call. <clears throat> we don't use this expression anymore. Probably the millennials among us don't even know it. Praying through mm-hmm. on something. Mm-hmm. I know, you don't hear that much anymore. When I was a kid... People would say, I prayed through on that. It's going to happen, you know. Have you heard that lately, you know? Um, so what does so that mean? Will you tell that our listeners? That means you have prayed to a point of confidence. You have found, uh, in, hopefully in the Scripture, where you have a right to what you're praying for. And you have faith. You can't really have faith about something unless you know from the Word that it is God's will. I mean, I could pray for a thousand oil wells, but I couldn't have faith for that because I don't, I don't have a right to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, when the word says uh, my needs are supplied in Jesus' name, I have a right to need supplied, so I can have faith about that. And so, to having faith about something uh, to reach get to a point of confidence—that's praying through. And so, Sister Willie had prayed through. And uh, so she said, you don't have to tell me. I already know it. <laughs> already. So. Uh, that was for you to go to optometry school, yeah, right? Yeah, that's for me to continue okay, in, the, right. in that. And I finally got through that. 
And uh, so I think I was uh, 33 when I quit my full-time job and started uh, in for four full years. Uh, don't do that at 33. <laughs> do that at uh, 18 or 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> don't wait that late. Because I had finished college years years before. Mm-hmm. So, What was, was your undergrad degree in? I was going to be a teacher of English. Okay. Uh, I majored in English and also education psychology. So I was going to teach. That the day when I graduated in the spring of '60, that fall in Memphis, if I had I gone back home to teach, I would have made either thirty-four or thirty-six hundred dollars uh, as no experience bachelor's degree. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do it. I, I went to work for the government, making a little more money than that. But that's how I met Mr. Wexler. That's how God works things out. I would have never met him if I hadn't started working for the Defense Department and wound up at his company. And then later on, I quit the government and started working for him. And he was very, very good to me. Uh, he lived to be 98. Wow. And uh, I'd call him up. He finally moved to Florida. And he'd call me up, how's Carol? How are the kids? How's your practice? You know, mm-hmm. his mind was always good. And um, he died at 98, and his son was still living at that time, uh, Howard, the MD, uh, a year older than I. Uh, Howard eventually developed a brain tumor, and while he was being treated for that in the hospital in California, he developed pneumonia and died. So anyway, uh, Mr. Wexler had Howard uh, send uh, my family a check out of the estate when he died for $10,000. Wow. So God blesses you. He sends you here. He sends you there. All you have to do is cooperate. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because <laughs> he's, he's got it under, under control. Mm-hmm. So those were precious years, precious years. And um, so wherever he sends you, there's something you can do you know, to bless somebody else. And if it's teach Sunday school or usher or whatever it is, there's something you can do, you know. Uh, And the word, we do everything we do as unto the Lord. And and he blesses it. Um, So I've rambled quite a bit. Uh, I probably haven't answered many of your questions. (laughs) You're doing great. No, you're moving us right along. Yes, you're moving us right along. Um, So... Doc, tell me, are there are there places in your life that you can look back on that maybe were difficult circumstances that you can share with us? Maybe just a few where you've seen God's faithfulness, even in those difficult mm-hmm. circumstances, even beyond those those school years. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, because I know that that was the, He definitely provided for you to be able to go to school. But are there anything you experienced that you can pinpoint? Well, for several years now, uh, I I retired from practice uh, along about nineteen, I mean twenty. 14. And um, we have a nice office in, in Hohenwald where I practiced. And it's been for sale for several years. And we've had some wonderful people trying to help us sell it. And uh, so far, oddly enough, we have not had an offer. And no one has made even a ridiculous offer. So why is that? You know, is God saying, is he 
keeping you out there on the edge of the knife just to test your faith to make you grow? Maybe so. Uh, Boy, what an opportunity. Uh, It needs to sell because uh, it costs like $1,000 a month to keep up the insurance and the taxes and all of that sort of thing. So $1,000 a month is a big deal. When you have retired. <laughs> right. When it's, not, when it's not producing income anymore. So it needs to sell. But God is faithful. Mm-hmm. He's faithful. And our needs are supplied. We're not going hungry. And uh, we have vehicles to drive and a beautiful home to live in. And we have uh, two wonderful children and grandchildren, of course. So God is good. Um, I cannot complain. And one of these days that office was, but that's one of the things we're going through that would test your faith. Mm -hmm. And it would be so easy to give up or to, um, blame God. Uh, you know, like Lot's Lot's wife told him to do, you know, we're not going to do that. (laughs) No, no, no. So Carol, we sort of have to keep each other up. If one of us falls down and then we get the other one picks that other one up and, uh, Praise the Lord for uh, a good wife or husband to to help you because um, sometimes we need somebody else's strength, mm-hmm. you know, it seems that we do. But uh, that has been, the, the, to use some bad English, the majorest thing uh, <laughs> that we've had to go through. Yeah. Light. Good. All yeah. Right. It, <clears throat> you know, having been, an, and Carol was very good at grammar. She went to a school in uh, Pennsylvania, and we both, I, I guess you we would consider ourselves grammarians because we listen to people on television making a million dollars a year, you know, and they use terrible grammar. And we (laughs) said, did you hear that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, you know, (laughs) people do that. And uh, so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we always criticize people's grammar and hopefully use good grammar ourselves. Um, and you hope to pass those things along to your children. And sometimes you wonder if you've done it well. <laughs> and um, so where does the desire to do that come from? When my parents uh, made it through the eighth grade because uh, that's all there was where they went to school. If you wanted to go to high school, you had to pack up and leave home. It wasn't it. And my, my mom went through the eighth grade three times, not because she failed. Mm-hmm. She just wanted something to do in the winter. Oh, wow. Uh, she became a great reader. And uh, so uh, when you come out of a situation like that and God helps you to climb a little higher educationally, uh, it's a great blessing. And you look back and you wonder, Lord, how did that happen <laughs> when they just barely – uh, made it through reading and writing, you know. Right. But God, you know, if he wants something done, he can get it done. That's right. He, <laughs> he just wants, like when I was in, a, in the Marine Corps Reserve for several years, <clears throat> uh, especially in recruit training at Paris Island, they'd say, give me a warm body, you know. Uh, that means uh, a volunteer right here, whether you volunteer or not. <laughs> you know, I just want a warm body, you know. <laughs> So he just what God wants a warm body. He can equip us, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Doc, I know that anybody that talks to you knows that you love Scripture because <laughs> you you've committed it to memory. We mm-hmm. know that you love it and you've spent time in it. Where where does that love of Scripture? Where did it come from for you? I've thought about that. 
I don't know. Uh, when I was uh, a very young teenager, uh, we went downtown to a Bible bookstore, and I bought this on the credit. Oh, <laughs> a little bo- leather-bound pocket testament. It was eleven dollars, which was a big deal in those days, because I was making fifty cents an hour. <laughs> Uh, that was a lot of hours to yeah, buy yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I got it paid for. But I kept that in my pocket a lot. And, uh, of course, uh, that doesn't do, you know, you got to open it up. It wasn't osmosis, <laughs> right? It, it doesn't help enough just to carry it around your pocket. But I, I began to uh, to learn some scripture. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe God uh, puts it in people's uh, gives you a desire you know uh the the word is supposed to be like uh uh honey or or bread we're supposed to eat it you know and so uh i began to uh to have a maybe it started at treveca maybe it did i had some good bible teachers there very very good and uh that gave me a uh, desire to to do that, but uh, sometimes you you scripture you knew last year you find yourself having to go back and refresh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you say what was what was the reference, you know. Sometimes you remember what it was, but you you'd like to know the address, you know, so you can tell somebody right. how to look it up. That's my issue. I can always kind of <laughs> tell you what it says, but then I'm mm-hmm. like. I, d- I didn't work on memorizing the reference. So you've inspired me to start yes. learning the reference yeah. when I'm well, th- trying to memorize the scripture. See, a lot of times if, if you're on an airplane with somebody or you're riding on the bus or just whatever, uh, you might if they're having a special problem they've shared with you and you can think of, of a scripture that applies exactly mm-hmm. to their situation, it helps if you can tell them where it right, is. Right, exactly, yes. Where it is. And so it's good just to know the scripture, yes. But if you know the address, it it's good. It yes. helps. Yes, it's easy listening to you to see that your brain works in the details because you remember years and dollar <laughs> amounts of things <laughs> and people's things. So obviously, your brain is wired that way. So logistically, for people who maybe their brain isn't automatically wired that way, what do you say about how you kind of review and what are, are there tips or tricks? Uh, do you have any of those mnemonic devices that help oh, you remember? Yeah. Yes, and I'm picking yeah. up my pen to write down notes. <laughs> At uh, Trevecca, the president in those days, Dr. Mackey, uh, he was an unusual man, and he had uh, a memory system that he had. I never knew exactly what it was, but he would picture objects and things to help him remember. Mm-hmm. And I've discovered that I, that I have to do that uh, picture just some object in life, uh, you just think of somebody chopping wood or whatever it is that reminds you of uh, chapter 10, verse 13, something, those numbers, uh, maybe you see that on the storefront or something and you remember. Um, Let's see, I'm thinking of one... um, uh, about... uh, Oh, Highway 412 uh, between um, Hohenwald and, and uh, Brunette and Martin. We're, <laughs> we're in <laughs> Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, there's a there's scripture, uh, Hebrews 412. Uh, 
and the word is sharper than a two-edged Roman sword. And so I picture a Roman sword coming down on 412 and chop it, chopping it in two. You know, <laughs> there that's you go. so dumb. No, that's those so crazy. Are the things that help. But see, when I say, where's, what is that, Hebrews 412? It's not 416. I know that one is 412. And uh, I think about that chop going on. That's so dumb. And people think you're crazy if you tell them that. <laughs> no, I think but that's now what works. You, but you remember it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think attaching it to a picture can help for yes. sure. And you practice it a lot. I think I think that as you speak scripture in your conversations that we all hear, that's your practice, right? You mm-hmm. you put those verses into practice. You think about I used them. to do that with, uh, I helped Jerry Strand in uh, Friends of Grace class. And uh, the, the old one we had, I, I had a part in that. And uh, I would... Uh, He'd talk, talk about something that would remind me of a scripture. So I'd turn in the Bible, and I'd hold my finger in that place, and then he'd say something else that would remind me of another scripture. So finally they, they began to tease me about having all my fingers sticking in the, <laughs> in the Bible because uh, I was the resource person, and he would say something, and that would remind me of a scripture, mm-hmm. and I would try to apply that without uh, walking over him, letting him be uh, in charge, but helping him with the scripture. I sort of got into that, and uh, so I don't know. Uh, I wish I could inspire others, you know, my children or my grandchildren, uh, to hunger for the Word, and maybe they do. Uh, Maybe God's not going to put that on everybody, you know, maybe not. Um, But I'm I'm glad uh, that it's, shows a little maybe yeah. that, that's it's a good. great example and testimony and <laughs> yes. model for us and to me kind of full circle back to something you said earlier that when we know the word we can pray more confidently mm-hmm. um, because we know if we're praying according to god's word we're praying mm-hmm. according to his will sure um, and so to have his word in our heart gives us the words to pray when we can't come up with them by mm-hmm. ourselves so i think there's a lot of power in that some people use the expression pray the word back to god mm-hmm. and i think uh that's good. Somewhere in the Old Testament, and I don't know where this is, there's a scripture that says, put me in remembrance. Tell me what I told you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Put I believe me. the Jewish people call call that uh, binding God to his word. Okay. Um, okay. It's kind of the, what, you know, when, when someone would, when a prophet, I'm thinking of Elijah from a story I heard recently, mm-hmm. would pray. Uh, basically, when Elijah went to Ahab and said, no rain will fall mm-hmm. until my word he was quoting Deuteronomy mm-hmm. and, and binding God to his word of what God had said would happen if Israel sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think there's so much power mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I think about it like even when we sing, sing on Sunday mornings, yeah. a lot of the things we're singing about are God's promises. He's not forgotten them. It's reminding our hearts yeah. that mm-hmm. God promised this, right. you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. But I think he likes to be reminded of what his word says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, for one thing, it lets him know that you know a little something about the world. That we've been paying attention, <laughs> right? Paying attention. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So, Doc, tell us some people who have been influential in your journey, knowing the Lord better or encouraging for you and Carol in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, like I mentioned, Sister Willie, uh, she was uh, well, certainly one of those people. And... Uh, there were t- uh, some teachers I've had, both in high school uh, and in college. Um, you know, 
you'd like to go back and say to a teacher who's probably long dead, you encouraged me to go on to school, and I was afraid I couldn't do it, and I never did really commit to it to you. I wish now I could tell you that I went on to school because of the things you said to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember a man in uh, Memphis in high school, and uh, I was from a blue-collar family. We didn't have any money, and my dad worked for wages. And uh, he said, you should go on to school. I said, oh, I just, you know, we can't afford college. He said, you can, you can do that. You need to go. And uh, I can see him right now. Uh, I wish I could say, look, <laughs> I did it mm-hmm. <laughs> because of you. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But there are people like that. Uh, and people who are not spiritual, like uh, David Wexler, who uh, helped me so much. God was using him. I'm not so sure he knew that he was being used, mm-hmm. but uh, he helped lots of people. And uh, so you, th- you, th- you think, and I've prayed for him, that uh, somehow somebody would get to, because he was the boss. I couldn't go up to him and say, are you saved? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was Mr. Ware. He was the boss. And so, but I prayed for him, and I, I set him an example. But he was watching. I remember once in the, what we call the break room there uh, at his company, and I was, at that time I was working for him, and it was break time, and we were, several of us were at a table out there, and he walked by or could hear or something, and he heard me say something that wasn't complimentary, you know, it wasn't. They want people are watching you. Mm-hmm. And so he told me later in private that that didn't sound too good coming from me. And boy, did I feel so small. Oh, I felt about that big. So here's here's uh, Doc. He wasn't Doc at the time. <laughs> uh, saved and sanctified. So <laughs> here's the house of Israel speaking, speaking to grace. Mm. Wow. Boy, should be it. You ought to be the other way around. It's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I think that's why I love that our mission statement of our church is um, that we're encouraging our community toward wholeness in Jesus because that encouraging word, the words that we speak to each other will literally give each other the courage to go and do those things that matter, to to have faith, to be strong, to pursue education or a career. Like Mm -hmm. we literally give each other courage as we speak those words of life to each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that that's something that we we rally around and say is important to us and is our mission. Right. I guess we all ought to be called Barnabas, son of encouragement. (laughs) That would be nice. Some people have that more naturally than others. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. But to be an encourager... And to be a good example, of course, uh, is good. Well, you girls have been very kind to uh, <laughs> put up with my ramblings. Well, before and, we uh, before we're <clears throat> completely done, yeah. I have people ask me all the time if I have a favorite scripture, mm-hmm. and I can't pinpoint one because about the time I think this is my favorite scripture, I find another one I like better. <laughs> Do you have a favorite scripture? Oh my my. Um. It's okay if you the, don't. The, I just wondered. <laughs> it's too hard to pick one for I me. I know. Well, there's so many good ones. Like uh, there are chapters that are great, like Psalm 139. 
which has in it uh, verse 14, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And in that same chapter, it says uh, he's got all of your days numbered before you ever had one of them. Mm -hmm. And before there's a word (coughs) on my tongue, he already knows it. Before I even say it, Mm -hmm. he already knows it, Mm -hmm. you know. So there's so much good stuff in a chapter like uh, 139 and um, uh, encouraging stuff in there. Uh, I don't know that there's a a one particular scripture, but uh, uh, maybe that's a fault that I don't have a particular one. I don't either, Doc. And if if you say you don't have a favorite one, then I feel better about myself (laughs) that I don't have a favorite. Because I love so many of them, yeah. and and while I might have a favorite one for a certain situation, uh-huh. I I just I feel like it's all so good. I can't not to fault anyone that has a favorite one or a life verse. That's not I guess loud. if you have a bunch of children, you shouldn't have. Maybe you have a favorite, but you probably <laughs> that's exactly you probably right. Shouldn't. That's exactly right. They're all different. My my mother's mother, my mother was was the oldest of eleven children whereas my father was an only child. But uh, my grandmother said of those 11 kids, not one of them was alike, mm-hmm. all different. Wow. Yeah. And so God has made us all different. Mm-hmm. And he knows us. He deals with us uh, like we need to be dealt with. You mm-hmm. know, Some kids, you know, you have to be rough with. Other kids, you say a little word and it crushes them. Mm-hmm. You know? So right. you have to know. Yes, <laughs> right. that's true. I got it. Tears running up. Sorry, <laughs> we like tears here. Well, Doc, thank you so much for taking oh, sure, time out and sure. coming in um, to talk with us. Because right. I, I mean, I want more people to stop and talk to you and, <laughs> and gain the wisdom, so they can listen into this podcast and hear Doc's testimony. So, thank you for being here. Oh, sure. Listeners, keep tuning in. There's more good stuff to come. God's grace is sufficient for you.